Bisamante. Let's get that record button going, brother. Another Friday. And today, the Hepletic Podcast comes to you from Rochester, New York. I'm very excited to bring you Michael Fan. I met Michael recently. We worked together with the same group of guys in Rochester, New York at Bad Drips Labs. And Michael, who most people wouldn't know because he wears sweatshirts and hides his physique, is a pro bodybuilder, has been for a year in the natural bodybuilding competitions, and we'll let him expound on that. But Michael is in a program where he is drug tested regularly in the natural competitions, and him and I talked. Um, he is a first generation uh, with his parents coming right over from Viet- Vietnam, so he's Vietnamese. And here is Michael Fan. Thank you for joining us today, Michael. Woo! Thanks, Brian, for having me today, man. I appreciate it. Michael's that quiet guy that looks out for everybody who's around him. Uh, you don't really know much about him, but he has such a great story that I'm going to pull that sucker out of him right now. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about your athletic background um, before bodybuilding, Mike. Uh, I mean, growing up here, it's I would say that you know I did the the youth leagues. I did you know youth softball, uh, youth soccer. I actually played varsity tennis in high school. Um, I was never a big fan of running, so I never did track. My my siblings had track, but I uh, never did a heavy-duty sport, though. Nothing like football, hockey, lacrosse, any of that. Uh, I was able to do uh, martial arts. Uh, I dabbled with taekwondo. I actually had my uh, first-degree black belt through that, too, as well. Um, that was, like, right going into high school when I obtained that. So Did you compete with that, or was that just, like, you'd go to classes and build up? No, I competed. There was, there was definitely uh, tournaments, you know, through taekwondo. They had... Uh, uh, tournaments for uh, like your pumse, which is like your your form of specific uh, uh, belt that you have to do in terms of display the art of taekwondo and specifics of degree of the belts of the colors. And then uh, obviously there's the fighting tournaments, uh, you know. So I always enjoyed the fighting tournaments a lot better. So so it was like in your teen years, teen years, yeah, yeah. I mean through high school, I would say around ninth and tenth grade, I probably started wheedling down, you know, start experiencing the high school life, kid. So yeah, I was doing more of that. So were you really competitive in the, in the Taekwondo? Uh, as far as like, I, I know, for instance, I'm a different person off the basketball port, court than on. Most people that know me say, you're, you're a nice guy, Brian. Dada. But when I'm on the basketball court, I have this little competitive edge that people don't really know how to take me. Um, how, for you in Taekwondo, did, did, was that a competitive thing for you? Because I know bodybuilding is not really competitive that way. So uh, it, was, it was competitive because, you know, I think I had a... OCD of a perfectionist of being a perfectionist when I was young and I probably was instilled from my parents but you know I like to do things good and do it well I like to get recognized but you know in the end too yeah like it's it's nice being the top dog or winning first place especially when you were small and I was I was really small when I was little I mean you like going in like between middle school sixth eighth grade you know you're talking about I'm only like five foot four eleven you know everybody's like five 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 six so, you know, the little teasing and all that stuff contributed to just me trying to do sports to at least compete with other kids to stay at their level at the same time. So, yeah, so he's about five feet. What, what's your what's your weight? I would say maybe 130 pounds. Uh, I mean, now at the adult age, I'm probably maxed out at five, four, probably will shrink down. I'm a lot older, but uh, I already anticipated that. That's why I bodybuild. So when I shrink, you know, I have some muscle. That's right. So you're about five, four now, you said? Yeah, I mean, five, four. And uh, my off-season weight, I've bulked up to about 155 pounds. I mean, right now I'm averaging, like today I'm averaging about 1, 123 right now. But I'm actually doing something for a reason, so. 
Yeah, oh, that's good. Well. Yeah, we'll get into that. So, um, just want to oh, your age. Thirty. Oh, I'm thirty years old. old. Okay, yeah. so you graduated high school about when? Two thousand six. Okay. Uh, so taekwondo. Then you did the normal high school stuff. So before bodybuilding, after high school, what, what was your like fitness? Uh, fitness was nothing. You know, I mean, like right after high school, I was like actually right through high school, junior senior year. I'm already you know working part time, obviously, and trying to graduate. And then I did the uh, community college, so I stayed at home. And did community college for the you know two years and got my associate's degree in uh, business associate at MCC and then uh, I already had a taste of working I was already working full time so then I ended up uh, taking a couple of years off from school and actually just working a lot more so I had a taste of money but then I obviously decided uh, with the young mind that that was probably a bad idea and I learned that so uh, I didn't want to do what I was doing currently my whole rest of my life I learned that so I went back to school to finish my bachelor's and. Uh, that's when I started RIT, and uh, that was like in the transition of when fitness started, which was kind of within my college, my college life. So probably like right after I got my associate. So I was probably like 23, 22, 23, probably right there. Now, were you different from your friends in the 20s? Because a lot of people in their 20s, you know, college just after, they're all into, you know, working, going out, drinking. Oh, yeah. You, know, you probably were typical the college kids. right? Typical college kid. I mean, typical college kid. Tell everybody the stories, you know, my life growing up as a kid I was you know I was raised in a Catholic home so I mean I went to preschool to eighth grade uh through Catholic school private school and then yeah same with me kind of opened up more when I hit public school so I went to public school for high school and then uh then college so yeah I mean I was I was going back a little bit but yeah you know I obviously made a lot more friends you know I was having fun and you know I was just being me and living the college life so drinking you know smoking going out downtown club bar, drinking almost every day of the week, just getting obliterated sometimes. And surprisingly, I was able to drink back in the day. Now I have no no drink desire nor drink. I don't drink at all anymore. So, oh, I love it. Yeah. Water. Water and weed. That's all we need. And monsters sometimes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. So um, so that's great. So in your 20s, uh, and you're 30 now, and you've only been bodybuilding a year. So like, what took you out from 23 to 30? Was it just you like personally just being in the gym and, and working weights or, or did you do cardio as well? No, I mean like when I stepped into the gym, it was, it was ideally, uh, you know, to pep up my self-esteem, you know, I was, I was going through a rough patch, uh, you know, a little insecurities, personal insecurities of self-image, you know, bad, bad breakup. That was like, you know, they actually cliche. A lot of people say that bad breakups make, you know, bodybuilders or fitness enthusiasts and you know, to me, that's kind of true because that's what happened to me. So <clears throat> I had to get out of my rut. You know, I knew people that were going to the gym. So I was like, you know, that's kind of like the first step I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I noticed things like I was, you know, definitely putting on some size in the stomach air when typically the small frame that I am, I always thought my metabolism was like the most invincible thing and I could eat whatever I want and drink whatever I want. But, you no, know, it started adding up. And, you know, I looked at pictures and, you know, I definitely got chubby. You know, I was puny in high school, skinny, scrawny, you know, I was getting you know, the bully tees of just being short and small jokes all the time. But, you know, it was all fun and loving games. I never took it seriously. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then at that point, it was like, yeah, like, I need to change. So so I started going to the gym and, you know, started following movement by just watching people, trying to learn, learn with my friends that I went to. And a couple of my friends, one of them I knew actually did compete. So I never dabbled with that idea in the first place. I thought it was weird because of the whole you know, standing on stage and flexing and everything like that too. So, yeah. but I just, you know, I enjoyed going to the gym. I felt stronger, felt better. I, I, I kind of had a taste of what's, what's good out there with, you know, bettering yourself by using the gym. And then, you know, then I asked to talk to my buddies. I'm like, what's the next step? I want to get, you know, I want to lift heavier weight, you know, and then they're like, well, you have to diet and eat a specific way. So then 
uh, that's when I began to network a little bit more. People were introduced to me, so I began to diet with, uh, I had a nutrition coach, as they would say, and uh, started to diet and train, you know, following a protocol that they gave me. And, you know, kind of fell more into it a lot more. I was getting the groove of it. I felt more comfortable, more confident, and, you know, I kept grinding away, and then I definitely saw more physical changes, and I felt a lot better with myself. So the self-esteem was definitely going up. The weights were going up, so... And then after that point, uh, you know, I was talking to my buddy one day. I was like, you know, what's the next step? And he's like, honestly, man, to really see how far you can really do it, he's like, you can try to compete like I did. And I was like, uh, I mean, you know, so I dabbled with the thought in my head. I'm still thinking like, yeah, I don't know if I want to throw a banana hammock on and just stand on stage all in that tanner. So it's not the, about the steroids or anything else. It was actually just about like the function of being up there. Yeah. Well, no, no. It's funny. Cause you know, I think the premises that I had, you know, being in the gym is that like for stuff like that in general was like, yeah, like bro, like do I need to take like steroids? Cause like, do I need to get like big, big and, and, and you know, and stuff like that. And he's like, no nah, dude, he's like, you know, he's like, I don't take steroids. He's like, it's all natural. He's like, you just eat diet. You just got to, condition yourself down and see how, how 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 lean you can get out and look good and that's all that matters man he's like you don't need to take steroids he's like people take steroids but they're not allowed to compete and that's when he started to like open my mind more like that you know that i would have like some sort of competitive chance an equal fair chance to step on stage as like a competitor in another sport and be like okay let's let's see what you got and what can you bring to the table so um, and obviously at that time I really was just working and trying to go back to school and, you know, I didn't really have anything like that on my head other than just working out. So, so then, you know, push comes to solve. I was like, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to do it then, you know? And then I began to diet and train towards a show after I picked a date and, uh, I had a, you know, like I said, a protocol for nutrition and training and, uh, had to follow and check-ins with the coach and, so what was the organization that is like the sponsor of, of what you're talking about now as far as uh, there's two uh, there's two well actually there's a few there's a few there's a few well all natural uh, bodybuilding organizations for competing uh, the top two that I've been told and known in research was the WMBF the uh, World Natural Bodybuilding Federation and which I've competed in in, in uh, the OCB which is the organization of competitive bodies. Uh, uh, organization and there's uh let's see there's the nga natural um nga what is that nga i always forget which one that stands for that's right we'll get it yeah, yeah. that's another well known too as well uh dfac um every all, all of these organizations they're all what they say is you know all natural competitions they're drug free so so how do they prove it? how so uh for people out there, people, uh, I know there's a, there's a common thing out there with bodybuilding and steroids and, and the negative connotations. Uh, but I also know that, like you said, there's a big natural, uh, uh, venue for this, for people who want to be clean. So tell me a little bit, you told me before, aren't you on some kind of program or testing program? And when you jumped into this, did they have to test you in the beginning to even get in, uh, be accepted into this? No, you pay, it's like you pay your dues, you know, it's like, okay, like this is an organization you want to compete in. So you have to get a membership through them. So all you do is sign up pay your dues um, and then therefore you pick a show and the show you compete in no matter what show it is within that organization is the the main process is they uh, before the show they do a polygraph test and that's all athletes all athletes prior to the uh, to the competition they will polygraph you um, they will have you check the rules and regulations of the organization so you understand obviously 
um, there's a what they call a banned substance list within the rules and regulations that they have every competitor or athlete uh, read prior to the competition, which is pretty much like their terms and conditions of you saying, okay, like you understand what you're getting into and this is what we need to do. And obviously you need to understand like the repercussions of what's going to happen if, you know, obviously, you know, you disobey or disagree with any of these regulations. So, um, so with that, like they, like I said, they polygraph you, uh, they ask you not even like, not even like 10 questions. They ask you a, a fair amount of questions where it's it's pretty much to see um, if you've honestly read the rules and regulations and you're going to comply with it. And obviously if, uh, you know, it's like their first line of defense that we'd allow if anyone has like taken any enhancement or HGH or steroids or gear or whatever the name you want to call it pretty much. So um, drugs, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> like, I mean, it all is negative all connotation or regular. Right. I don't know. I mean, like, uh, so, yeah, but they way, basically, so. well, well, so they're asking their poly. So you physically before your first competition didn't have to take a drug test. No, you do. I mean, you do have to take a drug test and that's, and, and the way that works is so the polygraph test is pretty much that it allows to the athlete to qualify to, to compete within the competition you're applying to or enter in at that point. Uh -huh. And then if you win the competition, you win the competition as in you win the overall competition entirely, that is when they drug test you. They have you actually, right when you get off stage, they have their monitor there saying, hey, all right, now here's your paperwork. You have to follow me. You have to go to the bathroom. We're going to have to be in this cup right now. So obviously if you can't pee right away, they actually stay near you to make sure that you don't go in your bag or anything like that. And obviously, and I mean, like they, they do um, pr are pretty cool about it where, you know, it took me actually, I'm not going to lie. It took me like almost two hours just to pee because I was so dry. So I was just hanging around. But no, they're pretty cool about it. But mm -hmm. um, So is that normal? That's because you... I, I mean, like, so yeah, for, you're kind for of, those competitions, you're kind of like trying to get as much water out of your body because that's what shows you the most cut of your muscles. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're like, you're, you want to you want to be dry and peeled is what we call or the conditioning part of it, along with the muscularity and, and package of just being lean and, and balanced at that point. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, it was really tough for me to pee because I was I was pretty dehydrated, but it was like, probably. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not that's not an issue just for you that's something common with it oh yeah, yeah that's happened before people before oh yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah so yeah if you win you know both male and female those both male and female categories within the competitions you know they all they all get a uh, uh p test send it off to the uh to the lab and then uh you get your results and that verifies like yeah he's drug free ready to go so Interesting. So uh, I'm a triathlete runner and everything for us is broken down age groups, five-year age groups mm -hmm. in our races. How is it for you guys? Do you guys have it separated by weight classes or, you know, or is it just like you guys have a competition and there's one male winner and one woman winner out of the well, competition? How, how it works is there's, there's different divisions, different divisions in terms of like, uh, there's, uh, men's physique, men's physique is more of like your beach body look. They have like these board shorts on that are a little bit longer past the knees. And they look at more of your upper body in terms of that beach body look with the lean, shredded, you know, conditioned abs that are popping out, big, big chest pecs and, uh, you know, arms, shoulders wide and broad. You know, they look for that balance at that point. So the uh, other divisions they have, for example, which is, you know, like that I compete in is the actual bodybuilding division. So that is you know, literally from you know, the banana hammock style where, you know, from top to bottom, pretty much you're, you're trying to show everything from your calves, your legs, uh, your hamstrings, your glutes, all the way, all the way up to everything. So the whole, the whole thing. So how, 
how does it get determined? So tell me a little bit about, about a competition. I'm, I've watched, obviously, little pieces of it like most people. But yeah, yeah, if yeah. I was to be a whole competition, like describe a little bit like what you have to do as a competitor from beginning to end of the day. Like what, what would be your day as a competitor? For a competition day? Yeah, yeah just curious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, with competition day, uh, you know, you know, with typically you wake up and then that's when, you know, you get into mindset. So, I mean, depending on that, everyone's different. Everyone's different. So it's by coach, by style the person itself i mean personally like as an athlete once you get there in terms of just the whole competition itself the competition is you check in usually have a competitor's meeting or kind of like a update info anything like that just to kind of quick catch up um and then once the show starts typically what happens is they do a pre-judging round the pre-judging is actually the real round this is where you actually get judged in the competition so uh, this is where they bring out your division and then within each division, so for example, me competing in the bodybuilding division, there is different weight classes, as you mentioned before. So different weight classes, as in there's a lightweight class, there's a middleweight class, light heavy, heavy, maybe super heavy. And they go by obviously weight and uh, obviously depends on how many athletes are within those divisions. So for, for example, when I turned professional, the division I was in, I, I compete as a lightweight and uh, I had about two other competitors within my weight division. So I went up to two other, two other people pretty much. And then once you win your weight division within the competition, so you get judged. And the way they judge you is uh, for bodybuilding, there's, uh, there's posing. There's, there's certain uh, posing positions that we are judged on, which is to show symmetry, balance, the package from left to right, up and down, 360 view. And like I said, this is a complete package. This is from head to toe, uh, toes up, calves, glutes, hams, to your lower back, upper back, lats, rear delts, delts, biceps, triceps, pecs, side serratus, everything. So with that saying, they check to see if everything's balanced. Is your left lat smaller than your right lat? Is your you know, shoulders smaller compared to your biceps. You know, they want to see if you have a symmetrical balanced look where everything is proportionally even to how it should look, a full look. How close are the judges to you through all this? Like, are they like, uh, looking I mean, at you? Oh, like, yeah, there's like, I mean, of you or? no, I mean, they're definitely in front of you. So, I mean, typical stage is like, you know, they're going to be at an angle. So they're going to be looking up towards someone. Uh, typically, you don't really have the judges on the same level or stage as the athletes when they compete. So usually, like the athletes are on stage, so the judges are looking up at an angle to them at that point. How many competitions have you been? Ooh, I've been in six. Wait, one, two. Yeah, six. Six. And I know at least one, you won your division. Or, uh, no, uh, did you win your division? In so I, my, fir my first show was 2014, amateur, amateur show. You know, and basically to be a professional or to obtain or earn the title of a professional bodybuilder uh, status at that point is you have to win an amateur show. You have to win an amateur show in an open class. So they have open class or they have a novice class, which is kind of like, you know, your first shot around just to try it out, see how you like it type deal. And then they have the open class, which is like, all right, this is the nitty gritty, like battle to the, battle to the, battle to the finish line. So, um, no, in amateur, is it still as strict drug wise? Like, have you ever been concerned in a competition where it wasn't fair as far as like the, the drug piece of it? No, 
Yeah. Every 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 composition in every organization that's a standard natural drug free organization, every show is a drug free tested show. So no matter who wins, they drug test they drug test them. So. So you have no issues. And when they, when you say, we always say this drug testing, one of the th- things that I learned about Michael and about this whole thing is well, there's one specific thing they don't test for. And that is the thing that's the most important thing about this podcast. So Michael, let's just talk about real quick before I ask you exactly what they test for. What is your association with cannabis and the, the plant that helps drive us every day? I love cannabis. And for real, I mean, like cannabis, weed, hemp, you know, whatever, marijuana, whatever. My favorite one to say is devil's lettuce because I think it's just funny to say devil's Devil's lettuce. lettuce? I don't think I've ever said that before. Oh, yeah. I kind of like love, yeah, I love fucking with people. And I'd be like, do you dance with the devil? Do you like eat the devil's lettuce, you know? And uh, no, I mean, I've, 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 I mean, marijuana, I've been involved with it probably since like eighth grade. Um, And uh, my niece and nephew, siblings mother and father's life has never affected me when it comes to school education financial to work to um even to bodybuilding itself and fitness never never ever now is this something you've always been open with your family about uh not necessarily i mean like i you know obviously my parents are very traditional they come from vietnam and i am the first generation of my family along with my two older siblings you know born here so you know, obviously we are more Americanized as the children in the culture of, you know, um, in, the, in American versus like what most of what they're my whole life of my parents whole life is, you know, they were in Vietnam before, you know, the war happened. And then, you know, once that happened, they came over as, you know, refugees uh, and they were able to get opportunity to get adopted, sponsored into the country and, you know, live the American dream and raise a family. So, but no, I mean, to my parents, obviously weed is, if it's on black and white paper, government, news, whatever, media, if it's, they say it's a drug, it's illegal, it's, it's bad news bears to them. They don't, they don't think anything of it. They think it's bad, you know, unhealthy, and, you know, the traditional mom and dad, like, ill. So. Normal Catholic family like I came from. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Hey, the government says this is good or not good, mm-hmm. and we're going to say that's, we're going to follow those procedures and yeah. what we think is right and wrong, and you and I are perfect examples that that's not necessarily always the case. So you said you went to grammar school. I went to Mother Saros. Were you here in Greece then? Did you go to one yeah, of the Catholic schools? Yeah, I went to St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence, yeah. yeah. So so these are small Catholic schools in the, in the Rochester, New York area. Um, so the Catholic... Uh, it's starting to dwindle now. Like St. Lawrence is still around, uh, but my mother Sarah's is gone. St. Charles is gone. A lot of the yeah. small Catholic schools around the Rochester area are dying off mm-hmm. uh, as the Catholic faith seems to be um, dying off a little bit. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was brought up in the same exact household as you, Michael. So, but not quite probably of, with that Asian culture is always very intriguing to me. Uh, and do your parents, do they find it very difficult to acclimate themselves here versus what they were had their whole life in Vietnam? I'm sure they did. I mean, my whole life, it's difficult. You notice I have not a heavy accent. You know, a lot of people ask, you know, can I speak the language? And to be honest, I can't speak it as well. Um, I can understand a little bit. Uh, But, you know, my parents coming over is, you know, they had GDs. They worked a lot. You know, my parents both had two jobs. So growing up, you know, they did as much Vietnamese speaking to me as they could to, like, you know, retain and do the, you know, melting pot of culturization and just just downloading me with what the traditions are and, and everything from family values and what they were raised on and believe from what they were in Vietnam, which is, you know, 
a big thing and uh they they still did a good job i mean like i'm still prideful like i still have it i'm still you know prideful that i am you know an eight you know an asian american specifically vietnamese and you know I'm, I'm, i'm happy where i came from in terms of from my parents and especially what they did and uh now, do they incorporate fitness into their life at all a little bit my my mother was kind of a little bit i mean it's funny because my parents became like the traditional you know mall walkers so that was like pretty much like the jump start of like their health. They just like walking. They just like getting up. And That's out. phenomenal. Yeah. I, by the way, I love mall walkers or people have mm-hmm. that discipline to go out. And my mom and her three best friends, four miles, five days a week for about 10 years to the point where after it happened, every Monday, first Monday of the month, they would get together for dinner because of the social piece of the forum just became so close four mm-hmm. miles a night. So I'm a big advocate. That's for most people think walking, whatever, but that's a great fitness, right? Like yeah. you see how it helped their lives, keeping them trim, right? I'm sure your yeah. parents are trim. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, they did at summertime, they enjoyed the outside. So they walk in the neighborhoods, but either way they, they kept their cardio up. So now uh, nutrition wise, how much are you finding that your culture and, and, and the way they cooked and everything, I'm sure was different than normal American fare. How did that transfer over to you as a bodybuilder? Did it carry over like, as far, you know, you know, culturally? Like, oh no, my mom it, freaked out. She's like, why are you like, she not freaked out, but like she, she had, she had to see me firsthand, like go through certain stages of, of dieting, which was when I first dieted. I was on an old school diet, like an old school bodybuilder diet, like brown rice, chicken, no condiments. Ugh, like just, just boring ass oh. shit. It's just boring, man. Like, it's, yeah, it's just boring. It was, you know, but like at the time, you know, I thought I was, you know, that's what I needed to do. And, you know, I was, I didn't mind it at first, you know, I was loving it. And then over the, t- over the time of just like my fitness and competing, you know, background, it just obviously over the years, I began to like, like, this is, I don't want to do this. I just got to be a different way. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, with Vietnamese, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stir fry. I mean, there is deep fry, but yeah, I mean, some of the stuff in general, like for example, like my mother's homemade egg rolls could not touch those at all when I was on prep, you know, still can't technically because of, you know, being deep fried and all the whatnot. So mm-hmm. it, it's difficult sometimes because yeah, I mean, some of the foods I can't eat and, and I just don't say can't eat. It's, 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 I Technically, I can eat whatever I want. It's obviously the reasoning I have behind the choices I make is because I have a goal at the end, which is obviously the stage. So, I love that you just said that. My big thing in life is human beings to me are the best when they have a carrot or something to reach out to. The minute they don't, that's when trouble can happen. They lose their discipline, but they always you should have a carrot, whether it's just you keep your routine every day and then you got your weekend to look forward to. I could tell already, Michael, you've always had a carrot. Was there ever a time you didn't have that carrot you were reaching for, and that's maybe when you were uh, at a difficult time in your life? More than likely. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, when even before fitness, it was like I didn't care what I ate. I ate whatever. You know, even when I was moody, emotional, whatever, you know, I eat whatever I want, eat my face away. But, yeah, not a care in the world. Um, so what's the future for you for bodybuilding as far as do you have any goals coming up? Like, do you want to get to a certain level or a national level or are most of the competitions you're doing local? No, it's all national. I mean, it's all, it's all, I have to travel. No, there is that I, I, I would, as a pro now I compete in professional shows and at an amateur level, you, you, you compete to win an overall title to obtain a professional title. And then, so I, it's funny cause I had a, a previous good friend, uh, he once told me that, you know, you, you, you earn yourself the right to call yourself a professional when you win an amateur show. And then to truly be a professional, 
that's when you start competing as a professional in the pro shows and win. So, I mean, at the professional level, you can win money. So the top three winners in pro shows take home some money. Hmm, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So now, have you placed in the money yet? No, I mean, I've only completed, uh, competed in one professional show as in my professional career. And uh, that was about uh, what, October. That was about two months ago in August. It was in Brooklyn, New York. Did you train differently for that than you had your previous competitions no i trained i trained the same i actually dieted the same too uh i actually had it was crazy this this earning my professional title was uh it was good because it was not easy but like i had a good coach um i was what they call a flexible dieter so i was counting my macros i was able to eat food that i was enjoying so i i had a prep where i was mentally balanced i had life life was life was going good for me at that point where prep was good and have any issues there are some up and downs in terms of emotional and life and life situations that happen because that's life. Life happens no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I pushed through and, you know, it was crazy. And I, you know, that's when I went professional. And then when I wanted to get ready for the, my first pro show to compete in, uh, the coach I was using for a little bit, uh, him and I had a bad falling out. So I was kind of freaking out. And that was actually in April of this year. And usually when I diet, I typically diet between 25 to 30 weeks. And yes, if you count that, that's about half a year right there. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, six months. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, how do you do it so long? Well, the reason is because as a natural athlete and for being a small, short, framed person and knowing my body type, it, it, it's it's the big thing for me is I have to retain muscle. This is a bodybuilding competition. I have to look muscular. I have to look, you know, somewhat big compared to other people, you know. So, like, I die a long time just because it's my strategic advantage to, number one, look the best I can and bring the best package I can. And, and number two, it's it's giving me more time because time to me is is my best friend with 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 competing is because it allows me to adjust my dieting and training if I have if if life happens if something happens or you know I have to go a different route with training if something's like I'm not dropping weight or I get injured or any whatnot it just gives me time to play around with different things too uh, because usually how I look at it is when you get down to ten weeks away from your show if you're not somewhat in a condition where you look like you're ready to go, then it's a lot harder for people. You, you definitely have to push harder and to, to get to where you want to be. But, and that's the thing. I don't like to rush. I don't like to like, you know, I like to push myself and I push myself hard, but like, I'm not at the point where I'm going to like break my mental game and, and, you know, and almost keel myself over for it and struggle and stress myself out. So, so you believe in having a strong foundation. It sounds like you're, you're very disciplined as far as steps to take to get to where you need to be. Oh yeah. That's my mother and father right there. You know I mean? That's just, that's just family value. I've been raised that way. So, I mean, to have structure and organization and, you know, I've been raised to understand that it's work ethic and, Everything happens. No, nah, I wouldn't say that everything happens for a reason. With just work ethic, it was just beat into me that, you know, you work with what you want. You know, my parents were never per- people to really buy me shit. You know, at the age of 16, my sister was already working. She's like, do you want a job? And I'm telling you, swear to God, this is a true story. The day of my birthday, she's like, do you want a job? I go, absolutely. You know, because I wanted to make money. Uh, and, you know, my parents were rarely one of those people that, like, just buy me stuff if I asked them. So I, you know, wanted to get my own things and that's when the work mentality started kicking in. So I definitely started at an early age and, you know, I had a really good first quarter of the year when it came down to just working from 16 to, to 26, I had a good working career because I was, I found like my niche of what I was good at in terms of work related, in terms of skills and qualifications and uh, 
kind of let and, me and, and define that a little bit because to me that is a very difficult thing for people from 16 to 26 they still don't know what the heck they want and you're sitting here saying during that time it was great for you because you figured out where you're what what did you do in that time like i mean like my, my 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 bachelor's is, a, is in marketing in business marketing so um i was in a lot of retail for like 16 years i was in retail service so retail service uh sales um I, I worked multiple retail jobs. I, I did the whole climb the corporate ladder. Uh, the the biggest one I worked at that I worked at for most of my retail life was uh, the Best Buy. Uh, Best Buy. So um, I started off at the Greece location and actually was in the Henrietta location for most of my time. But uh, uh, I was uh, a manager there. You know, the only people I reported to is the general manager and the corporate manager and I helped run the store. But I overlooked the uh, the Geek Squad services business, which is very stereotypical for me as an Asian to run that area. So it was kind of funny at the same time. So. Yeah. Well, and you were young too to be running that. Oh yeah, area. I was young. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I ran on. it. I was a manager for what, nine years, nine years. So that comes with them for about 11. I was with them for 11, managing nine. And uh, yeah, that was during my college, college careers. And I was actually going to school almost full-time hours and working full-time and retail hours suck balls. If anyone else has knows what retail. Nights and weekends. Yeah, nights and weekends. I and that's the thing. Like in the end, I mean, I, I found that I was really good with people. I love talking with people. I'm very outgoing and social. Like you said, you know, sometimes I may not look like it or be approachable or seem like it, but you know, once you know, you talk to me and I kind of vibe off you and kind of get a feel for you. You know, yeah, I can converse. You know, I'm not shy. I'm not. You have nothing to hide. I have absolutely nothing to hide. I'm pretty black and white with people. So no, you got a lot to share. Yeah. Uh, when you're talking about nutrition, I want to go back to something uh, because I really, obviously, this podcast we're focusing focusing a lot on exercise, nutrition, and cannabis, which is perfect with you because all three of your components you think about every day. Uh, so counting my macros, can you just go into that a little bit for people who maybe heard that and were like, what do you mean counting my macros? What, what does that mean? I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you straight up. I'm not a nutritionist, dietitian, you know, that's, that's, I put that out there just to let people know, like I'm not an expert, but it's just based off my experience, my, my, my personal coaches that I've hired with nutrition when it comes to them writing me a diet, but macros are what they call macronutrients. That is what we define the food in terms of when someone says, hey, and you see someone look at like a nutrition label and they're like, hey, like how much, how much carbs are in that? Like how much fat's in that? So macronutrients are made up of your carbs, your protein, your fats, and, some, and, and I consider your fiber with it too. Those are your main components that make up what they call your macronutrients. So, um, and macronutrients, those categories I just listed make up your total count of what we always are known and told through media and education, which is calories, calories, it's all calories. So if I have 150 grams of protein in one day and 50 grams of fat in one day with 20 grams of fiber and 200 grams of carbs, what that total amount number I just gave you of random ratio numbers that you're like, what the hell does this kid mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's the making up of your total amount of what people are always known to is your total calories you're trying to eat within a day. But it's crazy when you try to break it down even more because it doesn't work like that for the average day person when they just want to eat whatever they want based off calorie numbers. I actually go for nutritional base in terms of value numbers. So I don't know if people will really understand what I'm saying about that. But no, it's okay. No. It, it really, it definitely, every, so in a nutshell, everything you put in your body is, is going to result in what comes out. And, and with you as a bodybuilder, you got to be more critical. So, so uh, just on Google real quick, how to start a macro diet plan. Uh, number one, 50% carbohydrates, 
That's 1,600 calories a day times 0.50 equals 800 calories a day divided by 800 by 4 grams to get 200 grams of carbs daily. That's kind of one of the things on Google they say. If you want to know the like minutia of it, but forget the minutia of it. What makes you feel best to train, Michael? What what like what foods? Now we're talking about we talk about macros and all the words, but what's the actual foods you eat to get you where you need to be? I love food. I'm gonna say it right now, like I, you know, like you know, like I said, I used to follow an old school diet where it was clean eating, clean eating, no condiments, avoid deep fried foods all the time, just like clean, clean, strict, clean eating, and I was miserable because. You know, I was raised in a traditional Vietnamese household with traditional Vietnamese food, and I love food, garbage plates to, you know, hot dogs, cheeseburgers to, you know, chicken wings, mozzarella sticks. I am a fucking garbage plate, and sorry, excuse my language, but yeah, I'm a garbage. I'm a garbage. I will eat anything. It's crazy because a lot of people who do know me personally and closely, people will vouch and say, like, this dude will eat if he wants to eat, but obviously I have very good control with it, but um, but yeah. I can eat. All day, every day. Yeah, man. Because we do what we do, right? Because we're elite clean living. We're not filled up with a bunch of crap in our body that's making us bloated or not feeling right. We have energy every day. I mean, like, depends. I mean, like, for me being a flexible dieter, like, I I eat some random stuff that people question. I eat Pop-Tarts part of my diet sometimes, cereal part of my diet sometimes. You know, I don't care for the, I mean, I'm not affected by gluten like that, so I don't buy gluten-free products, you know. You know, when I'm in a competing mode, when I'm in a diet stage where I'm in a competition diet, like I become more strict to certain foods and how much I eat of it when I'm in competition diet because obviously I have a goal in mind in the end. But, you know, depending on, for example, in my off season when I do still follow a macronutrient-based diet, um, it gives me ability to flex is what we call obviously flexible dieting to enjoy the foods that people think that you can eat and get healthy or be healthy with like pizza cheeseburgers cookies ice cream egg rolls pho whatever you want to say it doesn't matter as long as it fits your macros as the cliche saying people have heard before on the internet uh then it doesn't matter and then people will argue you know i won't go into it because it's going to be a crazy that's all that's that's for you like a whole nother podcast of course yeah no we will definitely be having vegan meat all that so so you're not a vegan though right like you're not all just (laughs) plant-based i can walk out of this house if you call me a vegan Ah, i love it no (laughs) no no i would uh i'm 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 a carnivore man i I love meat dude like from steak so anything from poultry chicken red meat to seafood i'm all about it i will never turn away so meat versus veggies then, like percentage-wise? Uh, veggies are more when I am in competition diet and I'm close to stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, vegetables have a low... Vegetables are high in volume, but in terms of carbohydrates, uh, they're very low in terms of content for value. So mm-hmm. I like it. Now, if Gina was here right now, he'd be like, oh, no, I can tell you if you can... I believe it's everybody's body is good for them. And obviously you're a professional bodybuilder. You take care of your body every day. Yeah. You treat it right. So sometimes you can get away with things. Maybe that's not what some people consider perfect. I mean, do you do personal training. I do do personal training. Yes, uh, I, I do personal training part-time. It's actually something fairly new to me um, and fairly new to me in terms of uh, I just decided within the last year I wanted to pursue that. Um, did it come up in my past thinking before not necessarily you know i actually thought i was just going to be more just the athlete and just compete 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 but then you know the more and more i do the sport the more and more 
I find my passion within the sport and what it represents and what you have to do within the sport as in not only the dieting, but just, yes, the training aspect. And then obviously, you know, having a network and people knowing you, being introduced to you, following you, or seeing you grow into a different person they haven't seen in a couple of years. You know, people reach out, they ask questions, and then those questions make you question, you know, if you should be doing something with this versus those questions also be like, you know, these people reach out to me for a reason. And then also people, it seems like they trust me to reach out and ask. And, you know, I always got the typical, like, do you train people? Like, you know, do you think you can help me type deal? So, and I got that over a lot of the years, but I told people, you know, honestly, I'm not comfortable yet to pursue or do that at that point because I'm, you know, like I told people I was paying for someone to diet and to train me. So I'm not going to be comfortable yet or even at that point have the thought to do that for you because I don't know technically what I'm doing. So, yeah. you know, I've been doing fitness overall for like nine years now just personal personal below including the competing and dieting and everything too so i mean like experience wise yeah i have good experience under my belt so and i'm just basic i don't i don't train people for competitions i don't train people you know for marathons or anything like that i honestly do just primarily train people really just to become healthier and make smarter choices when it comes down to they actually want to feel good and feel fit you know, if they feel like they're in a point in their life where they need to change their physical, their physical form. So if, uh, if people want to reach out to find you, what, what's your social media sites? Do you have any kind of spots where people could look out and find you? Uh, I mean, other than, you know, you can add me on Facebook. Uh, it's, uh, Mike Fon. Last name is P as in Peter, H as in Heather, A as in Apple, N as in Nancy. Um, more than likely there will be me in a banana hammock as a profile picture. So you can't really miss me. I'm pretty not random. So, um, and then I'm big on Instagram. Instagram is one of my main social media accounts. Honestly, I don't use Twitter. I don't like to think tweeting for some reason versus just being on Facebook is the same thing. Even though I slowly started not to use my Facebook anymore. I'm really primarily on Instagram, but I use Instagram as, and I actually kind of like thought about this within the past year too, is, uh, I actually use my Instagram kind of like a journal, like a diary, like my social diary. You know, it's kind of weird to say that for a lot of people. They're be like, this kid's weird for like wanting to share his life with other random people publicly. Like, but honestly, no, man, like I, I use it as an outlet to kind of like give people like, you know, that inspiration, you know, that motivation and that, that true, that true, like, holy shit, like this kid can do it. Then maybe I can do it type deal. You know what I mean? So I love that you said that about Facebook. Um, I don't talk about this a lot and haven't, so I kind of want to talk, actually talk about this a minute. So Facebook for me now is two things, a marketing tool for my new businesses, number one, but number two, it is really to be that shepherd and to show my family the stuff that I'm doing, right? Like to share the family. Cause my dad lives down South, yeah. you know, people are separate to me. That's what Facebook from. I don't like, and I'm sure this is what you see amongst all your friends is the negative energy that ends up getting on there with jealousy and all the other nonsense. Oh yeah, Absolutely. You know, I mean, I've seen, obviously, yeah, the drama, the judgment, and the commenting, and the opinions, and, you know, it's, you know, it's a lot of things that I look at and assess, and you realize it's, it's, it's expected. It's just like, you know, another cliche, cliche saying, it's just how you react to it, what your attitude's about it, and that's really what matters in the end, so no matter what platform you use or put yourself through or channel yourself through or market yourself through that's that's going to happen no matter what tv a magazine newspaper to internet 
it's all going to be judged the same way by the same people. I agree. Yeah, if those people are negative in their lives and have that negative energy, it's going to be whatever medium or way they can put it out. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, are you, do you um, take any kind of medications at all, generally speaking? Like uh, anything that you I take mean, like every morning cannabis, when you wake up? Because New York State's uh, illegal. <laughs> which, which, we, which I do as well. Um, anything else like as far as pill form kind of, you know what I mean? Like supplements, anything like that? Uh, supplements. I mean, I take pre-workout. Um, I do take some type of BCAs, which is kind of like a little energy kick. Like Gatorade's kind of considered almost, nah, I mean, on the borderline. Yeah, that's that like a, a goo, a goo, like I do hammer products. Yeah, like yeah, The yeah. goo hammer product where it's kind of like a, a liquid, kind of a caffeine Kind of a caffeine, kind yeah. of a, um, it's just that little boost. Yeah. Like yeah, for a 45 absolutely. minute little yep. boost, right? Mm-hmm. Like similar? I, similar to that, yep. Uh, I do take multivitamins, like omegas, fat oils, you know, fish oil. And then uh, uh, and then sometimes during prep, I will take a, like a fat burner, like over the counter fat burner. So what over your time in the last nine years being, what would you, the biggest two or three pieces of advice you'd give to, the average person, not someone who wants to be a bodybuilder, but someone who wants to be a little healthier. You can do it. I'm going to tell you right now, that's number one, the number one advice I'm going to tell you straight to your face, black and white, is you can do it. You just have to believe and you just have to want it. And there's your three. Discipline seems to be what the most people have issues with right to to stay because they're working two three jobs they got kids they got this and that and they just can't focus on keeping that 45 minutes what makes you when you leave work and tired every day we walk out of the the factory we're tired we're working every day our minds are going our bodies are going what makes you want to go to the gym still every night i mean for me personally and it's going to be completely different to everybody else it's that's my sanctuary you know i found my passion for fitness and bodybuilding and competing and the lifestyle. The lifestyle is what's key to this answer of your answer to your question, which is this is the lifestyle that I chose to apply myself to. You know, people go to the gym or eat differently even or just do random fitness athletic activities, whether it's just run marathons or maybe do like a Spartan race, random things or stuff like that. But, you know, I found my passion is to live a specific way because of the lifestyle of what it, if what I'm doing with it in the end, because there is like an end goal in the mind. The end goal is just just to keep doing it. I love it. It's fun. This is fun to me. You know, I like competing. It's it gives me something to strive for. Um, it's always something that's gonna always show me that I can progress to be better and better to have a better version of myself every time. You know, I'm always growing, always downloading and trying to see what other options or what else is gonna be out there that I could you know, strive for. And, you know, I, and the biggest thing within competing as an athlete in, in the sport itself, absolutely, I want to win some money. You know, I love to be a considered, and that's a big goal. I want to be considered a top three, you know, national, natural athlete when it comes down to a natural bodybuilder. You know, I want to be recognized and known, you know, as, as just a, as a lightweight or just overall I mean, like yeah. lightweight. I mean, I, I mean, as a natural, I will always probably more than likely be a lightweight competitor. You know, I'll never probably move into the middle or heavyweight classes unless I, you know, start jamming a syringe in my butt and start popping the steroids. But yeah, and then you're not pass the test. Right, won't pass the test. So. Exactly. But yeah, I mean that. I mean, and like I've, I've, I found my passion through bodybuilding too. Like other than competing and being like a top three, you know, athlete in the in the organizations when it comes down to competing and winning money, but. um also for presentation, just 
just like my name, you know, like I want to be known as like that, that dude's a, that dude's a, is a dude that you, you should look at because he's, he's got some stuff to share with you. You know what I mean? Like, but for me, a big thing is when you, if you see me on social media through my Instagram specifically, like I'm big on, you know, posing, you know, posing to a lot of people, 99.99% of the time is going to be when you see somebody flex and for a lot of people they're like, like, Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty stupid. Like, I don't know why this guy's looking in the mirror and flexing at himself type deal. You know, I know what people say. I'm not stupid. I'm 30 years old. I know. I've heard all the shit, you know, YouTube videos, everything, you know, it's fine. And, and that's the thing. You know what, though? To really find passion and what you're happy about in the end that I learned is it's like you have to you have to have humor, man. You're going to hear the jokes and you and you know, you got to roll with it, you know, and that's the thing. If you love it, you'll you'll find your way to just compensate for all the jokes and all the nonsense and all the, the naysayers and all the people that say shit like that. My name is Brian, and I like to dance my face off. Yeah, man. When I go to fish shows, I don't stop moving. Yeah. If I'm home, I'm going to pose in front of the mirror with my 5'9", 160 little skinny-ass frame, uh, and I'm not going to care what anybody thinks about me. Uh-huh. And when I'm out in the public, I could care less if I'm dancing in the middle of a grocery store, yeah. what anybody thinks, because my life is good, and I got energy, and I'm going to get it out any way I can. And that's the key thing, man. It's my life is where I, my life is good, you know? what i'm happy about you know i could care less if you don't think i'm if you think i'm weird flexing in the middle of a public area to take a picture of anything like that that's just me man you're not living my life so and to be honest when you flex or anytime you are pulling your muscles in that that's actually like a little bit of a workout when you're flexing like absolutely. that's actually it actually helps you right yeah. explain that michael so. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely uh flexing actually does contribute uh to when it comes down to competing it helps you know, gain some striations that over time it helps you build the resistance and tension of actually when uh, when you're actually doing it because uh, 99.99% of the time that people who obviously don't know or understand the sport is that if you truly flex your body entirely from from bottom up, like it, it is honestly the, the biggest thing that you'll ever feel two days after, which is you're going to be sore as hell. You know, you've never done it before and you just try to squeeze. If you honestly try to squeeze, like you're about to like shit out a rock or something like that. You're just literally squeezing everything muscle in your body to tense up. Like, and you try to hold that for at least 10 to 15 seconds. Number one, you'll definitely be out of breath. Number two, you'll definitely be, holy shit, two days later, I'm fucking sore. And three, yeah, it's, it's difficult because you have to really channel in on being able to feel your muscles kind of sink in and and flex at the same time for a specific amount of time, but a certain way too. Think about this. You're on your couch, you're watching TV, flex your muscles and everything. If you can't feel your muscles flexing, that means you don't have any and you need to get off the couch, first of all, okay? But if you feel them and it's only subtle, you feel tightening, it's time to start tightening that stuff up, folks. Mm -hmm. Yep. Don't let it go too long because all it's gonna do is shorten your lives. So, Michael, the one thing I do want to focus on, a little, one negative thing that I heard through the, through the competition days that makes me nervous because I'm an advocate for water and having half your body weight in ounces per water is a minimum to intake, um, which means you'll always have enough water to pee. So it makes me concerned a little bit that actually on competition day, you guys are probably not the healthiest because it's the best way for you to look. On the other side of that, though, I also believe maybe if you did a little cannabis that day, it might offset the lack of water because that you'll get after the show when you start to drink again. Tell me your perspective on that a little bit. And, and if I, am I being as negative? I shouldn't be that negative, I know, but what do you think? I mean, I don't think you're being negative. I think it's just an opinion of, and it is an opinion. 
you know, ideally in the end, it's an opinion because, you know, I've heard it before too. Like a, bodybuilding in general, if you look at it as a whole, yeah, it's technically not a healthy sport. You know, it's depending, and, but also too, it depends on how you approach it. That's also another argument, you know. Um, I say it that way specifically because, you know, yes, when you look at it as a whole, in my personal opinion, after I looked at it as a whole, it's like, yeah, like obviously you're, you're fluctuating your diet in terms of you're, you're messing with your metabolism. You're going up and down. You know, you're leaning out. You're, you're adding weight. You know, um, it affects not only just like your metabolism, your immune system, your body as a whole, because obviously you're, you're training on top of dieting at the same time. So that's going to obviously change your physical aspect of it, but also on the, on the, the human body aspect, for example, like your joints, your joints are going to, are going to change too, because they, uh, Usually when you when you cut weight, you know, you're going to also drop a little muscle mass. And obviously, if you lift heavy weight, you're going to have to drop weight. But, you know, over time, it could be strenuous on your joints, uh, on your on your uh, on your joints. And, and no way do I look at you as being unhealthy or do I think bodybuilding in general is an unhealthy activity. Uh, so I just want to um, put that out there. And I actually will kind of counteract and say it's a little more positive the way you change your diet a little bit. So here, here's something that I've been learning lately. The eight healthy benefits of fasting backed by science. So with your fluctuation in your nutrition, here's some benefits. Promotes blood sugar control by reducing insulin resistance. Promotes better health by fighting inflammation. May enhance heart health by improving blood pressure. Triglycerides and cholesterol levels. May boost brain function and prevent neurogenitive disorders. I mean, that's just the first four on the list um, without even going into the details. So actually maybe some of the fasting you do do might actually benefit you in the long run, maybe? Well, I mean, it just depends because some, and there's, and that's the thing, like depends because there's a lot of different diet approaches when it comes down to individuals. You know, you got people, I mean, in the end, in the end with bodybuilding competitions, everyone's nutritional diet is a deficit in the end you're you're purposely losing weight to obviously lean out to obviously bring out the muscularity that you've built up from training and dieting at the same time so with that saying i mean then you feed into okay what types of methods do you want to do a calorie deficit in which is some people will fast and then eat a ton of food at one time. Some people do strict meals, strict timing. You know, they're on a schedule. Some people like myself are a little more flexible where I kind of go with the flow with sometimes, but also kind of have structure at the same time. So it really just depends on the individual and how they do it and how they want to do it. Because personally in the end, because I tell people all this all the time is to whatever is going to mentally balance you in the end that you can handle it. You know, I did clean eating for almost three years straight and by the fourth year almost coming up i wanted to shoot myself because by the end obviously the first year i was yeah it's not bad it's hard then you get used to it second year it's like i've done it before okay we're good we're good third year it's like Ugh, all right now i'm really starting to feel it now and so i don't want to do this again so you know so and then that's when i decided i wanted to find a different method which was you know flexible dieting where i heard you could eat food that you wanted to eat just you just learn how to work with it at the same time. So you eat pizza still? Yeah. How often? Oh, my roommate's Italian, so this dude gets pizza once a week every week in the house. But I mean, I'll eat it here and there. I eat pizza still two, three days a week. That's definitely one of the things I like. <laughs>
Um, what foods do you miss through this whole thing the most, or do you I, not I, miss any because you still? Oh, I don't miss indulge? anything. Yeah, yeah okay. but that, that's the thing I tell people all the time when you fuck when the way I die in that method, which is to it's an argument by its finest to all the people within with all the people that are not certified and certified in the industry and the lifestyle. It's there's always going to be argument that obviously clean eating, no matter what's going to be good for you, and then. Obviously, you're gluten free and you're ve- and you're vegans and you're, you know. In the end, it's just how I look at it is for me specifically. It it works for me. What I'm doing works for me. So with my specific method and what I follow and other people have follow is, yeah, man. Like I may miss certain food, but it's only for a certain amount of time, and I can still eat it whatever I want. It's just you have to eat a specific amount of it. And then that goes into the whole like, oh, I can't do that. I can't just have one. I just, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, that's you, not me. So, I mean, that's what you have to learn how to control. And that's what goes back to what you said, Brian, about just discipline, self-control. You know, people just, people accept failure too easily. They just, they're, the fear of it is just like, oh, I can't do it. So their fear is like, I just, if I start, I just won't be able to do it. So they just don't do it. And to apply that to cannabis, there's a lot of misinformation out there about CBD. And, and I know you have I about to talk about CBD and THC. Uh, and there's a lot of bad CBD products out there. So I'll talk CBD and they'll be like, we don't really understand if it's above t- 0.4, under 0.4. Uh, you know, I've tried some and it hasn't worked. And I keep trying to explain to people it's because there's some products out there that are not good. They're just splashed with CBD. It's not actually CBD mixed into water. It's just splashed into a batch and they're saying it's CBD water. Or there's CBD. Tinctures, generally speaking, do have CBD in them all of them, but when you're talking about other products, you don't know if it's good or bad. Um, so on this, you obviously have admitted to using cannabis, Mike. Do you use CBD and THC, just THC? What, what do you prefer? Uh, I've, I've only used THC, and honestly, I probably prefer THC. Um, I mean, I have used some CBD-related products. I haven't. I have not personally used CBD-related uh, liquid or any type of like lotion or laver. Um, more of like edibles. But even at that point, I, I look at it as it's honestly the benefits I'm going to get from it. I'm going to get with traditional flour. So, yeah. So, in your opinion, the the flour does it for you. The flour does it for me. me. I yeah. mean, like you know, and everyone. And how do you consume it generally? Uh, typically, you know, in the normal, and you know, with I mean, with traditional flour, I'll, I'll break it up and either uh, use like raw papers, uh, either roll blunt or um, bongs, bubblers, glass, bong, yeah. Yeah. So I've been a triathlete 17 years, I tell people. Um, I've been smoking cannabis since I was 17, uh-huh. just before my uh, summer before my senior in high school. Uh-huh. 46 now, pretty much mostly through water, bongs. So what we're learning is go away from the normal paper. If you're going to roll joints and you like it, use the hemp paper. So yeah. at least it's made out of hemp. Uh-huh. And the um, blunts, that is paper is not meant to be inhaled. Cigar paper is not meant to be inhaled. You're supposed to take it in your mouth and release it. So anytime you're smoking that, it's probably putting bad things into your lungs that don't come back out. More than likely, yeah. Just a couple things to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, but with you as healthy as you are, those minor things are not going to be bad impacts for you long term, right? Like, no, I mean, like, you know, I've, I mean, that's the thing people know. I mean, you know what's funny is that, I mean, how many people know that I used to smoke cigarettes? That's a big thing. You know, I used to smoke cigarettes and, you know, and with that, it was, it was, that was the biggest game changer when I began fitness. That was when I quit cigarettes is because I knew that I wouldn't survive being healthy and trying to go to the gym and, you know, trying to smoke a cigarette. So 
So that had to change. And, uh, you know, obviously significantly my, you know, endurance, obviously, and obviously in the long run for just uh, from cardio, that just obviously lasts a lot longer and my lungs felt a lot better. And, you know, I wasn't coughing up shit every morning, you know. You know, I definitely feel a lot better not smoking cigarettes and everything too. And it's crazy because obviously when you when you quit cigarettes, it's just you, you realize how strong they smell and everything with it too. It's just all the, you know, and everything from just knowing like obviously the, the toxins and chemicals within cigarettes. So, but... Yeah, man, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I already know that, yeah, tobacco paper in general, like cigar paper, yes, is not healthy for you. Absolutely not. I mean, in my personal opinion, just everything in general we consume as a nation is not good for you because it's been messed with. But, you know, mm-hmm. another podcast later for that argument. But, yeah, of course. Yeah. But no, I mean, I no, know it's, it's, it's hard to find things and, and to, to yeah. make sure everything's perfect. You can't be perfect. Exactly. Right? There's nothing That's else going to be perfect. But obviously, there's there's obviously pros and cons. There's obviously your pros and cons. There's your, your left and right. You know, and in the end, yes, I personally choose to use those papers at times, not all the time, but, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's traditional because that, that's like the social thing. You know, that was in terms of using flour and, cannab- and, and cannabis, that's more of the social thing. It's like, you know, you, you know, the people I hang out with and affiliate and associate with, it's like, all right, let's, let's roll a blunt, and, you know, and smoke so we can all just socialize, stick together, just talk or if we're doing something sometimes we're being active and you know this thing a lot of predecessors of people assume back in the day it's you know marijuana or pot or cannabis or flour you're just a lazy lazy person you know and it's absolutely not true a lot of people i affiliate with we're active we're actually doing shit you know i know people that build shit when they're high you know i'm not saying it's like the best thing you should be doing you know i don't encourage it i don't tell people that you should do it i just you know it's if that's what you do that's what you do because some people have to feel it out some people that's just the way they that's just how the way they operate or choose the way they operate because of how it makes them feel or what they're using that benefit of being high off cannabis is so now you said you started young was it who introduced you to it Oh, friends. I mean, it's I mean, all. grade was young yeah. to me. Neighborhood, man. Neighborhood kids just roaming around on bikes. Grease, you know, New York. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Have you tell you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Grease, New York. Three big high schools. Uh, generally speaking, I would say middle class, hardworking town. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Definitely heavy cannabis town. I was oh, yeah. brought up there too. It's Absolutely. everywhere. Um, and to be honest, there's a lot of good dudes who live in Greece and come yeah. out of Greece, like uh, uh, because of it, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so of your friends, what would you say the percentage are who consume cannabis or CBD? Out of all my friends, yeah, I'm going to probably, let's say, 80 to 90%. I mean, like most of my friends I affiliate with, you know, respectively have used or use cannabis. You know, some people have quit, they have kids, they're married, you know, they chose not to do anymore, and that's fine. But, you know, you know, in terms of who I affiliate with, most of, like, everybody that I know has messed with cannabis or is respectively okay or doesn't care for it at that point. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Back to the bodybuilding a little bit. Um, I want to go back to what they actually test you for. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, I hope you don't mind. No, no, no. I think I pulled the, email. all right. So when you pull that up, I'm going to actually, um, go to our weekly feature, um, which Michael's not aware of. So it's fact fiction or the jury is still out. So, we're going to quiz and see if Michael knows and Justin Pesamonte. Justin, you back there today? You sound kind of quiet today. Oh, I'm here. All right. Thank you, Justin. Um, okay. So when do we think bodybuilding actually began? 
uh, I pulled up two articles. I pulled up Wikipedia and I pulled up uh, a history lesson in bodybuilding. So I'm going to ask the bodybuilder. I'm going to ask it. So first, we're going to start with Justin Passamante. Justin. Well, see, I feel like I cheated already because okay. I did not know uh-huh. uh, until you uh, hinted at it earlier. So maybe I'll just sit this one out. And no, no. Me. Just tell <laughs> me what you, your original. You did have an original opinion, though. So go ahead and give it. Oh, my original was that I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Passamonte in this true honesty. I love it. That's right. Michael, what do you got? What do you think? When do you think bodybuilding began? Began? Yeah. Or, or, yeah, in general. Oh, man. That's, can I at least get like the first two digits or no? no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, I would say, I think it's like, this it's is a, century, a long time. No, it's I mean, a it's century. A long, I would say like at least the, I want to say 1700s. Yeah, that's Not pretty bad. close. Yeah, that's really good. How about the first bodybuilding show? Actual show was staged in 1891 and billed as the Great Show. Yep. It was developed and promoted by none other than the great Eugene Sandow. So do you believe Eugene Sandow is kind of the father of bodybuilding? Kind Absolutely. Of? He is the trophy in the uh, one of the biggest well-known bodybuilding organizations in the world, which is the IFBB League or NPC League. So NPC stands for National Physique Committee, mm-hmm. and the IFBB League is the affiliate or level of pro league to the NPC, which is the International Federation of Bodybuilding Bodies. So, so officially known as the first famous bodybuilder and the father of modern bodybuilding, Eugene Sandow, born Friedrich Mueller, born in 1867, immediately became a phenomenon with his unprecedented combination of muscle quality and strength. He became a turn-of-the-century physical cultural icon who is referred to as one of the bodybuilding's greatest, even in today's climate of genetic freaks. Uh, and I believe he is what the Atlas is modeled after, the trophy? If I'm yeah, not mistaken, yeah, yeah. So, right? like if you, so one of the biggest competitions in in, in world in terms of being known worldwide is the Olympia. Oh, Mr. Olympia. I Mr. apologize. Olympia. Yes, yeah, it happens, it is, yeah. Uh, happens in September in uh, Las Vegas and... Uh, it's that's if you win the entire show, uh, that is the trophy you get. It's a Sandow trophy. I've actually held it too. It's pretty cool. Oh wow! Now is it heavy light? Uh, how is? I've oh, it's pretty it. heavy. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty heavy. It's not that bad. Nice, um, but actually, we can even go further back though. You guys ready for this? I actually went back to physical culture of bodybuilding can be traced back to the 11th century. India, where stone dumbbell weights known as nulls were lifted by those wanting to develop their bodies to enhance health and stamina to help overcome the challenges of daily life. Gyms were commonplace in India during the period, and by the 16th century, weight training is thought to have been India's national pastime. I would have never guessed that. Would you think of Indian people as people that like came from a culture of bodybuilding? I, I'm actually blown away by this stat. I like, did not know that. I'm yeah. sorry. No, you're quite all right. I, I, it's uh, uh, India. I would have thought maybe Africa, maybe somewhere where there's big, strong people, but I don't know of India being known as a strong country in general. Uh, Wikipedia, real quick, just uh, bodybuilding is the use of progressive resistance exercise to control and develop one's musculature. An individual who engages in this activity is referred to as a bodybuilder. In professional bodybuilding, bodybuilders appear in lineups and perform specified poses and later individual posing routines for a panel of judges who rank the competitors based on criteria such as symmetry, muscularity, and conditioning, as Michael expertly 
described earlier. Bodybuilders prepare for competition through a combination of internet, uh, intentional dehydration, elimination of non-essential body fat, and carbohydrate loading to achieve maximum vascularity, as well as tanning to accentuate muscular definition. Uh, and the organization that you said you were a part of, Michael? The OCB, which is the Organization of Competitive Bodies. Thank you. The OCB. Or, yeah, bodies. Uh, so did you figure out the, the what... So the one thing, I asked him about what he gets tested for. That was a leading question for everybody because <clears throat> what I found by talking to Michael is they don't test for cannabis. What? Wait a minute. I can't get a job anywhere without being tested for cannabis, but he can be a natural bodybuilder. Think about this, everybody. Think about this. He can be a natural bodybuilder that wants every drug out of the competition, but he could be high on cannabis during the competition. Does that make sense, Michael? Is that true? I mean, it makes sense because they don't test for it. <laughs> so, and the reason why you don't test for it is because cannabis has nothing to deal with increasing muscle mass <laughs> or leaning out or realistically affecting way to one to one have an advantage to competing and winning a show. Cannabis is, and obviously within my organization that I compete in, nothing of a concern to them that will affect or sway one's conditioning or physical look when it comes down to judgment and competing against apples to apples or someone next to them. How many competitors do you think um, use cannabis in, in the professional bodybuilding world? I know you're new to it, so maybe you haven't, been in the society long enough, but what do you think? You have an oh, I mean, like, I mean, even with like the network I've built up with meeting people over the years, uh, it was it was crazy, you know. I you know originally I told people like I personally I thought like when I first started this whole thing, you know, nine years ago, I always thought like I was like the black sheep. I was like, oh shit, like people probably think that smoking weed and you know bodybuilding or just going to the gym doesn't make sense, and it's just a, a contradictory thing or it's a hypocritical thing or just cancel each other out, but. Um, and then, you know, when I first decided to do a show, which was 2014, you know, I asked, I asked the guy, I was like, uh, I asked my coach, he was like, I was like, uh, I was like, that drug test, right? So, uh, what do they drug test for? So like, he's like, oh, they, they he tells me they drug test for, you know, primarily steroids. I was like, oh, I was like, uh, I'm like, do the test for like weed and shit? Like, he's like. He's like, nah, dude. He's like, he's like, they don't test for weed. He's like, why? Wow, and then he, you know, he didn't know. And he's, and I told him. He's like, oh yeah. He's like, well. And it's funny because that first coach, the first coach I ever had when it came down to the sport, you know, all he said was like, oh okay, well yeah, you know, they don't test for it, but you know, I'd probably cut down a little bit when it came down to closer to you know competition time because it may affect like your cardio and everything too. And I'm like, oh okay, you know, I'll take your advice and see what happens and you know and then over time you know you just learn with it so so that's it what do you think does it affect you how does it affect you leading up to do you change or, or, or i mean i don't i don't, I don't you, really yeah. smoke right before i run you know I, that i can't do like that'll be that'll fuck me up like i can't i because number one i hate cardio no matter what it is no matter what type of form of cardio i do not like it no matter what you try to convince me whether it's on a bike running on a roll machine on a, a stairmaster on a in a pool i don't care i don't give a shit i just hate cardio period i just don't like running so i'm not gonna smoke right before i run or do any of my cardio but you know primarily that i've learned over the years of competing i and, and just my lifestyle just growing up and just 
growing up, you know, being 30 years old now, like I really have a lot of shit I'm doing right now and just living life and trying to work and, you know, establish my career. And, you know, on top of that, trying to be an athlete at the same time. So right now it's, you know, I'm honestly just really smoking at the end of the night when I go home, you know, it's usually use after it. the gym. Yeah. So you use it after the gym. So you, you're not, do you use it for training at all? Uh, yes. I mean, I've, I've definitely dabbled with, you know, smoking cannabis you know before going into a lift not cardio like actually lifting like lifting weight and yeah i've dabbled with that i read a study last week that says thc in your system with exercise increases 15 percent. where alcohol or, or tobacco your body's trying to push that crap out of you thc actually will reproduce in you more which to me feels like your body says oh this is in me i'm exercising and i want to multiply it seems like it's, it's a no-brainer that that's good for you I mean, yeah, I mean, to that, hearing that, it's like, yeah, I mean, that sounds awesome. I mean, scientifically, I'm not too sure if it really proven to do it. But, I mean, I choose to dabble with it. And I've dabbled with it before earlier in the stages. And before, I actually didn't like doing it. I kind of felt weird, kind of psyched myself out. I think at that point, like, I think I just felt tired. I didn't focus well, you know, and, and then I did do it for a while. And then in terms of, like, smoke before going to the gym. And then, and then I think I just dabbled with it here and there over time and 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 a lot of it had to deal with just it's just control and, and the way I say that is with just is just honestly channeling of how I feel when I'm high and 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 using that and using that energy I would say in the gym so you know a lot of the stereotypical thing of people complaining not even complaining just people the stereotypical response you get from a lot of people who use cannabis the average is Oh, it makes me lazy. It makes me tired. Like I'm, I just want to eat. I just want to sit down and not do nothing. You know, I'm not, I'm be honest. Like I used to be like that. I used to be like that. You know, okay, so this is a, this is a great point. And I'm only gonna stop you for a second because I truly believe everybody's different. Some people don't need high high THC, and some people can handle it. But you're saying you you've always used high THC, probably a uh, flower, and you're yeah. saying you used to be like that. And now you're not. Right. So what's the difference between then and now? Because maybe we can teach people that. Hey, maybe you can reduce your TAC number one for your own body because that's what's better and increase CBD maybe. But if you you are showing both sides of it, so well, yeah. I mean, number one, here's a disclaimer: I'm not encouraging anybody to go uh, out. None and of try us to, are, guys. We're yeah, just trying to put our personal experiences out there for you to at learn. All. That's what we're trying to, to do. To tell here, you folks. to go hit a bomb before you go lift 225 pounds off the ground. Absolutely not. It's not what I'm telling <laughs> you to do at all. But no, I mean, it, I mean, it depends. Like you know, either like one or two hits out of a ball smoking a full blunt smoking a full joint whatever it is i probably dabble with it all smoking an oil pen you know i mean all that in general is just kind of getting a feel of how you approach it and how you want to use it you know i think with me with over time of over the years of just dabbling different ways i've done it before of just kind of smoking and then going to the gym it was either you know yes i've done it out of a pipe you know in my car before i went in um i've either had maybe half of half of a uh, a blunt left or a joint left i would finish that before i go in um you know those type of situations not really smoking a full out like one hour session of smoking and hot boxing in my car and then like immediately going right into the gym to like literally go work out no i mean you know i mean if anything yeah i take one or two hits and kind of settle myself down play some music kind of ease my mind and just kind of and, and that's the thing it's just at that point i just kind of get into a zone i just kind of th- I just kind of open my mind and just feel 
how I feel in terms of like, all right, I'm about to go in there and I'm going to fuck shit up right now. and I'm going to fucking lift some weight and nobody's going to stop me and nobody has stopped me. And that, and honestly, man, and all that, and really in the nutshell, what I'm really trying to say is just, it's just how you use it, man. You know? So I've, I've been a basketball player since fifth grade. Since my I, senior in high school, I've probably been high, I would say, 95% of the time I play basketball. Yeah. And in most cases, that's three to four days a week, most winners. Yeah. Uh, between LA Fitness, Rochester Sports Garden here locally, leagues, uh, most of the guys here in Rochester know my annoying little butt because I'm that guy that can't make a shot, but I play good defense, pass a lot, and I'm an annoyance on the court. And generally speaking, I'm the most high-energy guy on the court. They don't get when I tell them afterwards. It's weed and water, guys. That's what I do, and I run circles around all of you in my 40s. Younger 20-year-old guys, they don't get it, but I am a, a horrible shooter. I find when I'm high, I shoot better than if I was sitting there not high. I have no shot. If I'm high, at least I have a better shot at making consistent shots. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think? How, how does that sound as far as what you've seen or, or perceived yourself? I mean, over time right now, like currently right now, over time, I've kind of, I've kind of channeled an ability i would say i would say and then i think it is an ability or not even a, a skill set just an ability to be able to honestly focus slightly more when it comes down to training you know and and everyone trains differently everyone has a different training method or style or protocol or program or whatever you got to look at but you know like you know i also get reactive answers people are like how do you do that man how do you how do you smoke before you go in there and lift heavy weight like especially me because you know for a small frame person like i do lift some fairly amount of heavy weight for my weight and my height and people bug out after i tell them they're like oh like you were high and i was like yeah man you know and this is really just because i i just like i said i get in the zone i just focus more and the biggest thing i i mean is just like you'll if you research it google it, it's a saying that we've been you know as bodybuilders if you're an enthusiast of the sport and you research and you look at the old stuff to the new stuff and you know they have what they call mind muscle connection is and which is you you know it's and even as a personal trainer i teach my clients this too which is you can youtube instagram facebook you can look at everything to kind of follow a movement you can read directions on a, on a machine to images on a, in front of you in a magazine and, and just to, fo to follow the movement but to truly get your muscle and to work out to get that pump as Arnold Schwarzenegger always described or you know that that feeling of your muscles actually working and that's what the, that muscle contraction you know that's the biggest thing I teach which is actually teaching somebody to feel their muscles contract while they're working out so they have a sense of like oh my god like i'm working out my muscle i'm a truly working out my bicep versus i'm just swinging my my forearm and my wrist up and down because my elbow's locked in you know are you truly feeling that bicep contract in and out feeling the blood pump in and out of it to actually you know work out and, and i tell people all the time when i consult people and i do fitness consultations i'm i it's funny because i'll i always test people so i always have them be like you know i mean show me a bicep curl and i'll have them pick up two dumbbells and you know they'll show me they're just it's very simple movement keyword movement and then you know when i just and tweak them and kind of show them and explain what they want them to do the next time i want them to do it so i can say like you know how do you feel now from a versus b you know and they're like holy shit like that's crazy that I feel it now. And, and, you know, I tell a lot of people, you can make a 20 pound dumbbell feel like 60 pounds if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to, it's just depending on how 
you use that weight. So smart. It's all perspective. It is all perspective. In all perspective, it's all mindset. It's all mentality. And my biggest thing, even on this podcast, I I want to promote is is going to be, um, is is like I said, mindset. The biggest thing in health and fitness, especially when you go to the gym, people is 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 fear. Fear is what controls that mentality or ideology that some sort of spark you may have in the back of your head that I want to go in there, but I can't. I can't do it. It's hard. I don't have the motivation. I don't have this. I can't do that. It seems difficult. Yada, yada, yada. And bullshit later. In the end, like I said, it's all about how bad you want it, what you're willing to do to get to it, and really working towards it. And it's it's simple. It's simple. You're People overthink it. And that's the thing. When you go in the gym, people are scared because they're intimidated. They're insecure. They don't know what they're doing. And they don't know what to do because they don't know who to ask, let alone they want to do it on their own sometimes. And it just depends on really how they are as a person, you know. And once you found that boundary and you're able to cross it because you're able to drop the fear and realize that what I've been doing the past nine years is something you can you you could have been doing or you can do, it's game over. You found you found the belief and you just got to follow with it. You know, it's just believing in yourself. That's really what it is. And this doesn't just include nutrition and exercise, everybody. Like here's a perfect example. My son and I, every year, President's Day week, we ski different mountains. I would go on YouTube, try and find videos about that mountain before I got there, nowhere. I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I just go and then we go there blind. So now I figured I want to create a YouTube channel now where I do that. I make Trail Max come to life. But my whole point is everybody was telling me, Brian, YouTube, you can make money off of videos. I was so wound up with the post office and raising my kids. I didn't stop for that split second to say, holy crap, really all I got to do is go out and invest in a $400 GoPro. And I could have made well more over that 400 in that early stages of YouTube on my videos, every week that I already went out and did these trails, I wouldn't have done anything different, but had a GoPro hitting record when I was going down these trails. All because I ignored people that actually were looking out for me saying, Brian, what you do is awesome. The small videos you do, bring it. And I ignored it like I don't have the time to do it or the energy, I can't do it, right? You apply it to every piece of your life. It's not just exercise nutrition, but exercise nutrition, unfortunately, drives the rest of what you do, folks. If you are not healthy inside, nutritionally or exercise, a perfect example. I used to work for the post office, eight, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day sometimes. When I left, the last thing I would do is think about the gym or working out. I'm thinking about going home, eating and relaxing because my body's tired. There's triggers in my body are saying, you're done for the day. I still had to go home, make sure I went to work out to stay fit so the next day I could do the same thing again. What's the biggest challenge for you, Michael? For me, it was just pushing myself through it or having my kids kind of there, me not seeing me be lazy. What is it for you to get you past that point? Because I know you have that point sometimes because before you came in here, you were tired. I could tell you were having a, uh, you know, you were a little exhausted today, but you're here and now you're going to go work out. What makes you different from everybody else? I mean, I don't think I'm really different from anybody else, but then, you know, yeah, I can say that I'm different, but it's just a drive, man. It's just what I, it's, it's passion. That's the, that's the answer. It's passion. I love doing it. And sometimes, yeah, I feel like shit if I don't do it. Or sometimes, I mean, but yeah, I'll have days 100% where if I don't want to work out, I won't work out. And I've learned over time, like, it's okay. Like, I'm not going to die. So, but no, I mean, it's passion, man. Like, it's the lifestyle again. You know, some people live 
and no, no, everybody lives different lifestyles. I'm sorry, let me say that everybody lives different lifestyles. And for me, my lifestyle is very simple, basic, and boring. <laughs> I'll be honest <laughs> with you, man. It's boring. You know, like I mentioned before, I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I don't anymore so, so that's not boring but but your routine is then list your routine a little well bit. i say yeah. that i say that in the sense yeah. of like i'm a person that typically doesn't go to the bar anymore you know even 30 years old even people say well you're 30 years old you shouldn't be really going to the bar like that anymore but in general i'm not a big social drinker like going to the bar doesn't pop in my head be like yeah let's go to the bar have some beers because i like i said i don't drink mm -hmm. you know and that's just my choice i don't drink because number one i've now i in personal beliefs i think i've i'm i've lost my Oh, that's what I'm looking for. Um, tolerance. There we go. For alcohol. You know, I think... And I, the nonsense I, around it, maybe? Well, yeah. I mean, like, I, I feel like I'm a little allergic to it now. Like, any type of alcohol, beer, liquor, or wine, I, you know, my... I, my body gets very hot internally. Like, I get overheated. I get itchy. Like, my skin uh, turns red sometimes in terms of my face. They call it the Asian face. You know, it's like a cherry blossom sometimes, depending on if you're drinking. But, um... And honestly, man, it makes me feel like shit, you know, between the ages of like 17, 23, yeah, that's when I was drinking. But when you're young, you can fucking handle anything, you know, especially when you're drinking disgusting Keystone and cheap ass freaking beer, you know, your high school career, because mm -hmm. that's all you can afford. But, you know, you build the tolerance up. And obviously, yeah, when you hit 21 and you go to the bars even more at that point, yeah, you just build your tolerance up. But, you know, and that's when I started fitness at like 23. That doesn't, like, I cut back and I didn't really want to drink as much because I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And, you know, that's kind of like all she wrote when it came down to kind of wheedling it out of my life. But even at the same time, I was still smoking, you know, weed at the same time. And that I knew itself wasn't causing me to gain weight. That itself wasn't causing me to struggle with anything, you know, but. You know, that's, that's honestly what I love to do. I mean, people people are like, oh, how do you smoke weed and, and function? Or how do you smoke weed and work out? Or how do you smoke weed and do this, this, and that? I go, because I can. It's just what I know I can do when it comes down to what I can allow myself to do. I know my limitations because I tell everybody in the end, in the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, you know your best out of everybody and you know your limitations. But also in a different mindset that, only you give yourself limitations when there is no limits. You know, you can Amen. push yourself. You can literally push yourself as far as you can, as long as you realize you can. And that's what I learned. You got to pinch yourself every day, right? Like, yeah. Like, if you can't push yourself every day, why be here? Exactly. Whether it's emotionally or physically, career-wise, whatever it is, keep striving. Yeah. Right? Like, it's that simple. You know, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is, like, yeah, you can make money in bodybuilding if you wanted to which is competing. You can compete to make money and you can compete by being sponsored and marketing yourself. You know, whether it's like doing fitness shoots or selling apparel or selling supplement lines and stuff like that, or just marketing and, and being sponsored and just having face in the industry. And it's all fine and dandy, you know, but you know, there, there's a price you pay for stuff like that. I've looked at some of the stuff. I've seen it happen with certain people that personally are in my life and I don't like what it does to people or I don't like what you have to kind of go through. And, you know, I've accepted, especially, and that's a big thing for a lot of people. People don't understand that, like, when we talked about, you know, the IFBB League and the NPC, that is a federation. We never kind of discussed about it, but that is a federation within the bodybuilding sport that is a non-tested 
federation. And what I mean by that is that that is the federation where uh, people who are using enhancement or HGH products or in the end steroids to help gain a specific look or figure that is actually not tested in that organization. They don't do a polygraph. They don't drug test um, their athletes and it's really not monitored. It's pretty much you kind of go up and compete just to compete and see who comes out the best. So, so is that just basically to see how big and good you can get your body? No, it's I not mean, necessarily oh, how yeah, big. Yeah, I mean, it's a, in the end, it's a bodybuilding competition. So yeah, you want to have some, some, some size, some muscle, but no, it's the same ideology of judgment. You know, they still judge for symmetry and balance and striations and cuts and shreds. You know, like each division you want to compete in has specific looks they go for, you know, and women take steroids too. It's not just about dudes taking steroids to get big muscle. Steroids also are the aspect of, for example, uh, fat burners, things that make you lean, to suck out water, make you dry, like you discussed. There are steroids that help enhance that process or speed up that process or contribute to that process when it comes down to getting ready for a show to compete in. So it's not just men in general for the whole steroid usage. It's women as well too. Um, and yeah, man, I mean like, and that's the thing that that's the, that's the league where, you know, that's more mainstream. That is the mainstream. Like that's like, if it was on ESPN, that would be the Federation that would be on ESPN. If the Olympia was on ESPN, that's the idea. And that's the thing. Like you look at all those athletes and those, in that specific federation and you're like holy shit these are the the real as the the, the junk word as everyone says the meatheads you know the juice heads of the sport you know these guys that have really thick legs and no neck and big traps and wide backs you know that's that stereotypical modernized media projected look of a definition of a bodybuilder which in the end they are bodybuilders and in the end i give them 100 respect because they do the same damn thing that i do at just a different level of caliber when it comes down to what they're seeking within the sport the only thing i would worry about by looking at them is just what the long-term health effects are but well, yeah absolutely you know, that's i mean because yeah. they know going into and, it and, that, point, and that's no it out there, yep right? that's it it's just it's just choice it's just choice and you know I'll, and that's what's crazy about old school bodybuilding area like with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny Padilla, you know, Frank Zine, uh, like all those guys, like that era, golden era bodybuilding is 100% different than modern bodybuilding today. Science has played such a role in modern bodybuilding because of what science has proven or shown us when it comes down to testing, other than just steroid use, other than just specific movements of exercises and what's being used and what doesn't need to be used and what should be, what we be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. But, you know, that definitely played a key role in it. And, and yeah, man, like it's. So the Mr. Olympia, what is that a clean competition or not clean or both? No, it's, it's definitely not clean. That's like the. Yeah. But you know what though? Is it, well, I'm as trying an, to figure out what, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm just trying to figure out what. Oh yeah. Olympia. Yeah. People. NPC. Like, what's, so what's the world, uh, like the uh, world series for you for natural bodybuilding? The World Series for me of natural bodybuilding would be, it's actually coming up, it's actually this Saturday, it's the OCB uh, Yorton Cup, and that's like an international event. That's like you, uh, so it's it's nice about the organization I compete in is they, they, they encourage natural athletes. I mean, that's the thing, all, all, all these natural federations of bodybuilding comp of, of competitors, they encourage, you know, their natural athletes. They, they obviously support them as much to stay natural. And 
OCB is well known because we accept professional titles in other organizations. So for example, I mentioned WNBF. That was one of the other organizations in the natural comp competing world. If you have a professional card or title in the WNBF, the OCB will actually allow you to compete as a professional within their professional shows. So for example, I did recently, when I went to that Brooklyn show, I had a guy on stage with me that was a WNBF pro that I was competing. He wasn't a OCB pro competing mm -hmm. against me. He was from the WNBF. He just, what he had to do was just pay his dues to the membership to be able to compete. Mm -hmm. So he was already technically qualified to compete as a pro because he has his pro card in a different organization. That so he's got his pro card and he's clean. So he follows under all those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he takes the polygraph like everybody else. So oh, yeah. No I think that's standard. Yeah. That's standard. No matter where it is, or I mean, no matter what natural federation, you're, it's that's standard no matter what. So, yeah. yeah. So um, now why did you choose the one you're affiliated with? Oh, I mean, I've, like I said, I've competed in WMBF. Um, it's just show times too. Shows are happening all year round, but they're in different areas. You know what I mean? Like locally, like locally, there's only like, I, from what I know, there's only like maybe between four to at most six shows, but they're different parts of the year round. Like there's spring shows, there's fall shows. Sometimes there's one in the summer, you know, and it just depends on when the organization f has their shows because of the promoters that promote the show and run the show itself. So, so it just happened to be that when I wanted to compete, I wanted to compete in a fall. Um, I've, I've, I've dieted through winter. It sucks balls because you don't get to enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas as well and New Year and all that good stuff. So, <laughs> so then I, I learned that summer dieting was actually pretty easy for me because I love grilling. So grilling food was easy for me. I was able to adapt really well when it came down to making certain food. And, uh, and it's nice because like you're changing your body through summertime, which you want, everyone, everyone wants that summer body. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, leading into the fall time, which is when I went professional, I competed in two shows that were in October. So I started dieting, you know, for that October show, probably around, probably about yeah, like April, May. So right in the beginning of summertime almost and all the way through summer. So now is the show coming up this weekend something that's on your radar for future years that you want to aspire to or well the show so the show the show this saturday is the ocb it's the 10th annual ocb eastern usa so this is the show that i have won last year in 2017 oh, so awesome. um it's the show that i went professional i won the entire show wow so um, congratulations so oh you, i think, go yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. so he goes to the world series of the his sport and he wins it like are you kidding me so oh no 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry you're talking about the yorkin cup i yeah, apologize yorkin, I, no it's okay okay no, well no, it's crazy go back to what you're just saying then we'll go to your cup well in a minute, but yeah, yeah so that. so your first competition you won like i want to hear that well that the, the competition i won i went professional was last year in october okay. so the promoters because it's a local show the promoters asked me to come back to put on like a like a guest routine like a like a little show for them for like a halftime type deal so mm -hmm. um so that's what I, I will be personally doing saturday which i thought you were asking i apologize no you're but good no it's clear the, uh, yeah. the yorkin cup which is actually in dc that that's like yeah like like you said that's the world series so that one is like where the best of the best come out so do you have to win shows to qualify for that is that how it works like you just have i believe the rules is you just have to compete in minimum in one pro show just to compete in that show. 
but I might be wrong because you might just be able to just compete in that show because the grand prize is actually a little bit bigger in that compared to the other shows. And that I think that's why it's like the World Series because that's the big show where it pays the big bucks. It's the money. It's yeah, the that's money the money. That's the money maker. That's the one where everyone goes for because it means you win the most money in that specific show. Every other pro show surrounding that is like your normal professional competition. So now explain to me again what you're doing this weekend. So this weekend I will just be appearing. Um, at the local show for entertainment. And I say entertainment is just pretty much, yeah, it's like, uh, since I'm the 2017, you know, overall champion, I will be there to, you know, just to be the enthusiast to kind of show love to the other athletes by doing a, what they call a posing routine, which is, uh, having more of a freestyle routine where it displays, you have music playing, but it displays ideally your best attributes as a bodybuilder of all your muscularity and what looks good on you in, in certain poses. So the whole flexing idea thing, you know, so, but with the routine, you know, people just assume they just kind of like go off their stand and they just flex. No, it's like, it's more of like a, and I can say routine because it is a routine. It's more of like, a, you know, if, if you YouTube it, it's, it's a, it's a it's a variety of things. Some people go crazy with it. Some people put props in it, and some people really just go basic. And um, it, it's honestly how I tell people: it's more of a way to express yourself to the audience on not only what you've worked hard for, but also just who you are within the sport. Because the music's a big thing, you know. You pick whatever song that you're gonna pose to and flex to to kind of express how you are on stage because obviously it's it's confidence you, you display on stage by being up there but mm -hmm. you know stage presence is key you know people can sense whether you want to be up there or whether you're scared to be up there whether you belong up there and that's a big difference is you know you get that talk you know some people be like holy shit when i saw you up there it's like you you look natural like you look like you belong up there like you're comfortable you know what you're doing and that there's nothing else that makes me think that you don't do this at all you know that's that's really how it is so. your passion comes through that does not surprise me that on stage it wouldn't come through like it does in this conversation it's phenomenal like you you are a shepherd like until already it's not just about you and your lifestyle you really want to try to have people around you absorb this information I guess. yeah i mean like it's it's because i tell people all the time like i i to me i've learned in life that i feel like in this specific lifestyle and sport now that i've been and i've had pretty much fused my life with is to is um I've learned that, you know, I'm an underdog. And I say it that way because, you know, like I said, like I like the the way of internet and social media and media and marketing itself, like, you know, I tell I've I've told people this before. Like I've accepted the personal belief that I will ever become what they call like, you know, these Instagram celebrities and, you know, these social media celebrities to just gain followers and have like that status. Cause I don't have the ideal look of what the standard social media portrays the bodybuilding and fitness world. You know, admittedly, yes, personally, I have confidence. Yeah, I look good. I've worked my ass off and I know like I have a healthy body and I, I look good when it comes down to the sport itself and competing. But you know, when it comes down to the actual what what I've seen and because, you know, being a marketing major, I know sex sells when it comes down to just how things are marketed in that industry um, of supplements and all that shit. It's, it, they, they go for look. They go for following looks. And uh, with that aspect of it, you 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 sacrifice. And I and I say this with confidence, you sacrifice uh, something of yourself, because a lot of the things that I've seen out there recently within the past three or four years is fake. You know, people just 
put up there they want you to see what they want you to see and behind closed doors it's a completely different story amen you know? and you are not everything i learned about you before this podcast and today just uh, reaffirmed it, it's nice to feel your energy yeah man and that's the thing i tell people that being an underdog is that even though like i'll never become like that big and people are like well you never know and that's thing i never know if it happens it happens and that's with following my passion and dream and, and it's just to see if it happens if it happens if it does it does you know and i'll take it where it is and try to go with it and do what, what i want to do with it personally and see where it goes from it but at the aspect of the average joe level really in the end what i'm really gunning for is yeah people it's just to show you that male or female no matter what it is where you're coming from mother not mother father not father it is what it is like wherever you are in life that you honestly can do what i do there is nothing that you're missing that you need to buy that you need to do to really do what, what i do i just have a different end goal with what i want to do with the lifestyle and it's just different for everybody else it's just finding that superhuman power strength which i tell my clients it's the power of will. Amen. That's all it that. is, man. It's just, if you want something, you're just going to do it. You know, your son, you know, perfect example, you know, music. Dude's all about music. You know what I mean? So it's like, dude, like, you know, he's followed his passions before. And that's the thing. It's, it's taken him places, you know, and that's, that's the exact same thing with me. Like I may have not traveled the world. I may have not gone crazy with it, but I've, I've gone to the point where I've done things already that have made me happy and realize like, I know I'm doing the things I want to do with this lifestyle and it makes me happy. I may not have a shitload of money from it. I would obviously love a shitload of money from it. Let's be honest. I'll be black and white about it, but of course not having it i'm not sad about it and i'm still doing me and that's the thing i'm staying and this is my this is my personal saying i always tell people you just you just stay true to yourself which is i found out who i am what i really believe in what my passion is what my values are what my worth is and if I, as long as i stay true to myself in the end i know i'm happy either way amen so, now what gym do you work out at uh, i work out at la fitness uh wherever uh, mainly greece because i live in greece and mm -hmm. uh i also personal train as a contracted trainer out of the anytime fitness gym which is in downtown rochester in the city near uh it's on chestnut street so it's kind of like near five star bank tower 280 99 and now right over there eastman school of music so mm -hmm. uh, heart in the city is what he's describing for those of you not from rochester yeah. um so do you prefer like la fitness is more of that national chain i'm a member of la fitness i go there specifically for the pool and the gym because i play basketball i don't touch any weights uh really cardio i do that on my own with biking and swimming but, uh, so I'm asking you, do you like the small gym setup or, or LA fitness setup for the, from the perspective of an average Joe, just, you know what I mean? Do, some people, like you said, the fear thing and they right. insecure, do you recommend maybe someone becoming a part of a smaller gym with a culture there or LA fitness, that type of setting? Uh, honestly, with my personal experience, it could work either way. Because you can get benefits from working out at a big corporate fan, like big corporate gym, like LA Fitness, and as as weird as it would say for people who go there, because some people they'll always quote like, "Oh, I hate working out there. It's like a it's like a high school reunion or like oh like you see everybody there type deal." And it's like, okay, well, the fuck are you doing? You should be going there to work out and not do anything else. So what doesn't really matter. So that's how my mentality is but in the end no no i mean like in the end like you said you you can make friends you can build a network you learn from people and that's what people do for me they ask me questions because they know i know what i'm doing and it's like 
you can get that. And that's how I did it. You know, I broke out of my shell and networked and became friends with people. And I'm still friends and good friends with people. And I'm still making friends with other people there every day, you know, but it's also the same nice thing in the end. What my answer really is, is like, I like to have choices. And that's just personally me. You know, sometimes I like a small private area right now where depending on my mood, what my mentality is, I like going to Anytime Fitness because it's small and private versus if I'm convenience or if it's something where like depending if I want to lift with somebody that has the same membership as me or just different machines you know I mean for me I like having options because I'm at my point where like I mean you can tell like I can I adapt very well so it's like it doesn't matter to me whether it's a private or small or big and corporate so I've been members of both when I was in high school I I was in a small gym member where I did a lot of weights and stuff Um, I found the small gym atmosphere was really good for people who needed to have their balls busted for not showing up maybe for a workout in the morning because LA Fitness nobody cares if you show up or not unless you have that you're in that core group of guys where you see each other every day Uh and chat but in the small gym if you miss a day, your butt's going to get razzed for a week. Oh, yeah. Like, I call people out all the time. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen you in like a week. And they're like, yeah, no, I'm trying to get, you know, but I joke with people all the time. I tell them, like, yo, it's life, man. That's right. But you can't complain that if you're not reaching your goals, that you're not putting in the work. It's, it's all hey, it is. So in my house, I have uh, the ball up onside, you know, ball onside down, the half where you stand on the ball for balance. Yeah, the booster ball. Yeah, the booster yeah, ball. Yeah. Thank you. The booster ball. And I also have um, one of the big. Uh, medicine balls with weights and then I have one that I can lean on I forget what the big yoga balls um, so that's what I use so these are the th- three things I teach people when I train now I wanted your opinion um, we're getting close to the end here folks I know this has been a great conversation I don't want to necessarily end it I teach people biking swimming yoga would set them for life as far as every muscle group low impact on your body and it hits all your cardio you have an opinion from what you do I mean how you train this is preference man and that's the thing about this lifestyle it's all about preference like some people are not about bobby some people actually go to alley fitness or just to gym just to do cardio some people just go to use the gym for the courts and pool some people go to a gym that's strictly crossfit some people go to the gym because it's strictly powerlifting it's really depending the preference of the person but also as well the individual and their health their condition some restrictions may apply you know, if they can't do certain things, certain motions or certain exercises, and obviously if they feel more comfortable doing in their home versus at a gym, and it, it just all varies on that. And that's why networking with people in general between like you, myself, to anybody within the industry, it's like you just got to have options and find out what works best for you in the end. That's right. Because right now you are listening to two people who are both fit, clean living, make generally the right decisions every day, but we don't have to be slaves to it. Uh, and we do it two different ways. I do it more cardio and he does it more with weights. But if you looked at either one of us, you probably wouldn't know in a quick look without seeing both of our bodies and, and our muscle tone that we do it totally different ways. And we're both probably right the way we're doing it for ourselves, right? Absolutely. It's good stuff. Um, so real quick advice to new bodybuilders like so they're past the couch they've gotten into a little bit now they're thinking like you were they're in that position where they're they want to take it to the next level bodybuilding what kind of advice would you give them in between like you must have had a mentor or somebody you kept mentioning oh yeah absolutely re- i've had mentors over time and yeah, you, you so. know, like you always and that's the thing make build a network it's always meeting people networking seeing what you can get from them but also don't be selfish and just steal information from them and just kind of back up no i mean like truly like these people will help you over time if you actually become friends with them in terms of rely, not rely, but just at least trust on their 
knowledge and experience and just what they may share with you and what works with them. And like I said, what works for them may not work for you, but it could. You never know. You just kind of feed off it. It's kind of how I learned in marketing, you know. If everyone has a different sales technique and presentation, but you kind of feed off different people to kind of make your own. It's the same damn thing. And you got to build habit. There is no maybes. There is no maybes in this lifestyle. As 30, much, 30 days for habit, guys. As, as, much as, as much as you want to tell yourself, there is no maybes. It's really yes or no. Everyone needs to make the yes or no choices to stay on the path of what you're really heading towards in the end. You may have to take a detour because life happens. I understand. Life happens. And that's what I've learned. But if you really want something bad, you will make the choices that will lead you to that decision in the end. And time will be your best friend. You just have to work for it. And you get a better satisfaction and self-fulfillment in the end. I tell a lot of people too, so. Amen. There's nothing better. I used to, doing triathlons, I used to have people ask me all the time, oh, I was second in my age group, da, da, da. I've won a lot of awards. Constantly they ask me the same question they ask you. Can you make money off this? It's not about money. It's about the fitness level to eat and drink what I want, when I want. It's not about the, like, it's not about, the competition's great. But really triathletes are no different to bodybuilders. You are up against other people, but really you're up against your own training leading to that day. Yeah, it's, you're really against That's yourself. You're really against yourself. And especially because we teach people on stage day that you're really against yourself on stage. You're really trying to beat yourself at the best package ever. Like, you know, every time I compete, it's like I want to look better than I did the last time. That's all it is, is to be a better version of yourself every time. Okay, so we're talking to a guy. You had two older siblings, you said, right? Two older sisters, So yeah. Michael is the baby of three. Now, the baby, there's always certain stigma on that. He does not have any of that stigma. So your older, are they both sisters? Yeah, I got two older sisters, yeah. Uh, are they active? Just curious about their fitness level as we close this. Yeah, thing. my oldest sister, she uh, she's uh, she used to be, she used to do track in high school. We got into a uh, got into a car accident, so that kind of like ended that. But then when she got older, she still wanted to do long distance running so she did uh you know she did marathon she lives in new york city so she's all about marathons and then she hasn't done one in a while but that was that was the big thing she was into but then she likes doing like classes and stuff like that she'll do kickboxing classes stuff like that here and there and then um my middle sister uh got into yoga within the past few years and uh she actually just became a certified uh yoga teacher and she found her health and pathway through yoga uh from eating healthy and losing you know her, her her baby fat weight and all that stuff and she found her her calling when it comes down to her passion within the lifestyle so we all had our different lifestyles i pursued it definitely a lot more in hardcore compared to them too but you know they had a different lifestyle I mean, you know my middle sister had two kids first in the family and you know they're actually special needs kids so she's you know she's a stay-at-home mom she's got a lot to work with and wow. then my older sister being in new york city you know it's a, it's a jungle out there it's very rushed on the go living lifestyle and you know she's got a you know in-law family out there she's always with so i mean you know that's her lifestyle but you know this is me like i said i'm very simple the way the way i do things in life i can tell people like i train differently i eat differently i live my life differently compared to everybody else because everyone's a different story but i make things work the way i work based off of what i want you know i'm very simple like like i said i don't go out to the bars or clubs anymore so like i am going to bed slightly earlier at night compared to the average 30 year old person you know what i mean i do go out i do dabble with friends and family and parties here and there mm -hmm. but you know even if i dabble with it it may only be for a couple hours i'm not going all night or anything like that yeah. you know you have your random 
once in a great blue moons guys night or you just want to go buck wild i say fuck it whatever some shit and you know you do it but you know most of the time i'm very consistent on just how i live because that's what i'm used to that's what i'm happy with that's what's balancing me and that's what i enjoy and that's just me because i'm living that life and nobody else is so i love it little bong rip justin passamonte it's time to wrap this sucker up Michael, I can't tell you what a pleasure it was. It was cool, man. My first podcast ever. And uh, hopefully not your last. Um, we definitely want to hear about you as you progress because this podcast will keep going. Uh, we'd love to have you on. Anytime you want to add any information or personal information that will help people with their health, we'd love to have you share. But, Michael, we will be following you, and we wish you the best through your bodybuilding. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Much love. And, you know, I just want to not only show appreciation, but, yeah, it's just – I'm here to just show everybody and just really give you an inspiring aspect of. I may be another story in the world of lifestyle, living healthy and fitness, but it's it's just really a re and re reinforce situation of me saying like you can do it. Again, give your social media sites for everybody in case they want to find a personal trainer. Or oh yeah, if you really want to see, yeah, if you please. ever if you ever want to have a really fucking good laugh, because that's really what I do. I'm real. I'm a big vibe person. You know, my biggest vibes are music. Food. I fucking love food. I love food. No, music, food, and uh, other than fitness and motivation, I'm very humorous. I very, I love to laugh. You know, it's funny because apparently everybody that meets me, and honestly, Justin can probably vouch for this, is that apparently my laugh is very distinct and noticeable, and everyone knows it's I'm me. I'm mad it didn't make you laugh yet. So, um, but yeah, like everyone, everyone enjoys to hear me laugh because they think it's weird and it's very distinct. But uh, no, I enjoy living a life of laughter. You know, you got to laugh. It's brings out the good in your soul and but no like i i do a lot of humorous stuff on my social media mainly my instagram so my instagram is it's flex f l e x two zero p as in peter h o the number seven and it's pronounced flex 24 seven and the biggest thing i want to say that i'm like my, my branding of you'll hear from me a lot is I am foe the gains and uh, how that little jokester is is being Vietnamese if you didn't know, uh, pho is the correct term of how you pronounce the word p h o pho which is a hot noodle soup traditionally very popular in our culture that's amazing and delicious, um, and it became one of my sayings because of my buddy at the gym started saying it he's like oh. Well, because everybody, the joke is everybody pronounces it pho. Like, have you had pho before? I want some pho, which is terrible once you look at it. Like, people say it wrong all the time. But no, and then so then at that point when it's pho, it's like, okay, well, I'm pho the gains then. And that was kind of my saying, you know, and then I kind of went with it. And that's kind of people how people know who I am. They're like, oh, Mike is pho the gains. And I'm like, yeah, man, all day, 24-7, man. Pho the gains, baby. And that's the thing. I tell people, like, when you live this lifestyle the way I live is I, I show a lot of people, like, I, I may eat healthy, but I, do, I enjoy myself. Like I have balance. Like I eat shitty food. And I'm not that type of enthusiast where I just don't have clean food all the time. I, I will eat shitty food. And I don't say it like shitty food. It's food that I enjoy. You know, I'll say it like that. Cause yeah. in the end, it's food. food yeah. I mean, if there's you. a nutritionist here, yeah, they might say you shouldn't eat it shitty. That's what he's describing. Right, but it's, right. it's comfort food kind of sort of, right? Like I'm just saying food's good for you. Eat it. Amen. And when people say, Mike, can I eat this? Mike, can I eat this? And I'd be like, yeah, it's food. Eat it. Food is good for you. You if can you, have a good relationship with food if, if you pay attention, generally speaking. Yeah, if you, you want to do something with it, if you want to do something with it in terms of change your habit of what you physically look like, then yeah, then you may want to look at the food differently and kind of be smart with it. So. Well, you're the man. Very refreshing today. Justin Passamonte, thank you for today. Michael, I can't wait to, for your next competition. Ah, not a problem, man. Hopefully, uh, 
I bring some money home next time. We're all good. <laughs> We're all good. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next week. Next week, we'll be having on a big white face terrain park special. We'll be talking about winter, and we will be talking about skiing and snowboarding at the Beast of the East, the biggest mountain in the East Coast. So we'll see you next week, folks. <laughs>